This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, June 17th, and the 2021-22 season is officially over. The Warriors are NBA champions. We will have some reactions and takeaways from reactions to and takeaways from that title. That's what I wanted to say. Plus, with less than one week to go until the NBA draft, we are going to be doing a little bit of draft previewing. We're going to draft preview mode, final six-ish days until the draft, and we're going to be taking a look at Zach Hanshu's mock draft, which is on NBC Sports Edge right now. And conveniently, I'm joined by Zach Hanshu, the author of said mock draft, and Jonas Snader, a frequent reader of mock drafts. Uh, fellas, Jonas, fan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to channel you for a minute here. What a finals. What a finals. Every game came down to the wire, just total nail biters the entire way. Seemed like uh, just a thriller every night. We actually didn't have a single game under 10 points. Yeah, and for as many blowouts as they were during the playoffs, like it was actually still a lot of fun. And there were probably six or seven teams that looked like they could legit win it this year too. So yeah, this is one of the most wide open years I've seen. And I think next year is going to be the same. I mean, you look around the league, you have the Nuggets getting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. Um, the Lakers obviously are disaster right now, but they could be back in the mix. You never the Suns obviously were the favorites this year. You got the Bucks with the healthy Chris Middleton. It's going to be wide open once again, man. So I'm really excited for next year already. Yeah, I, I got to echo that same sentiment, man. And I just want to give credit to the Warriors because, I mean, you got to think about it. This is this is their fourth title in eight seasons, six appearances, and the only two times they missed were when Clay Thompson was not available. So you get that core back together. Uh, you've made some great developments with Jordan Poole. Kevon Looney even played a big role this year, and then. That Andrew Wiggins trade, uh, you know, when they traded him for D'Lo, I mean, that just looks like such a genius move at this point. And finally, Wiggins gets that championship that he's been after. So I, I just think from top to bottom, what a season from the Warriors and just what an effort from the coaching staff and, and management. Yeah, the Wiggins kid turns out is actually good uh, <laughs> at, at, the, at the basketball on the right team with the right coaching. Yeah, I mean, what what I was saying about that series and and all the double digit games, it it did it had the potential to be such a classic finals, and like it felt like we were almost there every game, and then somehow, some way, it would get to double digits, which was just a little frustrating because, yeah, I feel like we we could have had an all timer, and it it I wasn't mean, that, but a whatever. healthy Tatum probably makes it a seven game series, to be honest, too, right? Yeah, he wasn't himself, yeah. so we kind of we were kind of robbed of a a classic Tatum showing. He just wasn't himself at all. That shoulder obviously really bothered him. Um, one more angle to look at it too is we get James Wiseman next year for the Warriors. Like they're revamping with the same roster, and you're adding whatever James Wiseman is too. So it's going to be really, really exciting. Which is a great question. What is James Wiseman? By the way, when you say that shoulder really bothered Jason Tatum, I assume by that shoulder you mean Andrew Wiggins because he was <laughs> truly, truly harassing Tatum yeah. like throughout the series and and in Game Six. Man, it was just so visible on some possessions how much he was bothering Tatum, mm -hmm. who shot 6 for 18 in that game. 
36.7% from the floor in the series. And Wiggins, 18 points, six rebounds, five assists, four steals, three blocks, four threes. Uh, wow. Yeah. And not to take anything away from Curry, but I don't know if the Warriors win this playoffs without Wiggins, too, because if you look at the previous round, you have him shutting down, well, to a degree, shutting down Luka to the best you can. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you can't shut yep. Luka down. But man, Wiggins right. is unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. And to your point about Wiseman, I, I think it's interesting because I, I was watching the game with my brother-in-law last night and we were talking about Wiseman saying, man, he's coming back next year. And I said, you know what? His trade value is never higher than it is right now, because if you wait another year to kind of give him an audition to see how he can play, what if he really what if he stinks? What if he's terrible? Right. So his trade value is high right now. What if you go out and trade him and a pick or another young player for somebody like Rudy Gobert, who's probably available on the cheap? Yeah. And so, yeah, the Warriors are the champs for the fourth time in the last eight seasons. Steph had 34, 7, and 7 in that final game. Uh, pretty good series for him as well. So, any other final thoughts on those finals and the season before we put it aside and never talk about it again? Uh, not for me. Nope. We're moving forward to the main piece of business at hand. We are turning our attention to the draft. And Zach, you've written up now two mock drafts, right? On NBC Sports Edge. Is there another first of all, is there another one coming? What's the what's the plan? What's the schedule? Yeah, so there'll be another one out on Monday. And okay. um, this one's already I'm already in the works on it and it'll have trades included in it. Okay, but you're you're still capable and comfortable talking about this one. Where this is still the one. I mean, this is still it until Monday. So you got an entire weekend to think about this one. Let's dive into it. We're not going to talk about every pick, obviously, but I have highlighted a few I want to talk about. Jonas may have done the same. We'll just kind of talk about our thoughts here on these players and some potential landing spots. No surprise at number one, and I don't think we need to spend a ton of time here. Jabari Smith, you've got going to Orlando. He's the clear favorite to go there. Points bet has him at minus 140 to go number one overall. Anything really to say here before we get right into the intrigue after this? Zach? I'm just interested to see Chet Holmgren's supposed to be working out with the Magic sometime this week. Um, so I'm interested to see maybe if he completely wows them, maybe there's a chance because obviously if you, you're talking about points, but uh, Holmgren's odds have gotten much shorter to go number one now. And mm -hmm. uh, Smith's have actually gotten a little bit longer. I mean, obviously he's still in the minus money, but there's a chance we maybe see some shakeup at number one. I don't see it, but it's still a possibility. I still think there's a really good chance Chet ends up in Orlando. I mean, you look at what that front office has prioritized the last five years. It's length, length, and length, and that's what Chet is. So, uh, And the fact that they haven't really said anything about it either way, too, kind of makes me feel like it's still wide open. I think they want they do want to bring in Chet, like you said, get an up-close look at him. But, yeah, I, I still think one and two is wide open. All right, well, let's go to number two because in this number in this mock draft number two of yours this mock draft 2.0 zach there is a surprise at number two i'd say so chet is currently the favorite to go number two uh minus 110 according to points bet but you have got paolo bancaro going to okc at number two talk us through your thought process there Honestly, I, I think obviously Bancaro is the odds-on favorite to go number three to Houston. There's been pictures, there's been rumors. He's been out there for workouts. You know, mm -hmm. you look at the odds on just about every betting site, and it clearly favor him to go number three. But 
OKC is a wild card. I don't necessarily know that they're going to automatically just say, yeah, we'll take whoever's best available between Smith and Holmgren. Uh, I think if Holmgren goes number one, it's definitely going to be Smith. But I think if Smith goes number one, they're going to have to take a hard look at Bancaro. I, I think, obviously, with Holmgren, I know it's it's lazy to say, oh, there's questions about his size. But I do think those things come into play. And I think Bancaro definitely has – there's no questions about his size. There's no questions about mm-hmm. his offensive game, which is just absolutely phenomenal. The only issues you're going to run into with him are you know, going to be some defense and just maybe working on his three-point game a little bit. But I think they're absolutely going to have to take a look at him at number two – and I like him better as a prospect than Chet Holmgren just overall. Jonas? Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree. I, I I don't think Paolo makes sense to the Thunder. And I don't know. There was an interview. I don't know if it was this year or last year. But there's an interview where he's just ripping the Thunder. Like, apparently he was like a Sonics fan. And he hates the Thunder, too. So, I haven't even heard of him working out for the Thunder yet. I don't think he's worked out for the Thunder yet, too. And I saw he had a, a Silas for the front office of Houston. Wind and dined them, too, already, too. So, I think Ben Carroll to the Houston Rockets is an absolute lock. It seems to be trending yeah. in that direction, right? So, yeah. And I mean, look, with Christian Wood now headed to Dallas, uh, that not not that we really had to worry about what how much playing time the number three pick was going to get, but it just opens things up even more for Paolo Ben who I think is headed toward pretty fun fantasy season probably right away. I'd say he's going to be a guy uh, we're going to be want want to be wanting to be drafting. Well, so in this mock draft, you had Chet Holmgren going number three to Houston. Now, we've talked about, at this point, any range of possibilities, him going one, him going two. In this scenario, we're talking about him going third. Jonas, I know you want to live in a world where Pokashevsky and Chet Holmgren occupy the same front court. But in reality, either team, we, we'd probably rather see him go to Houston or Orlando over Oklahoma City, whichever of these guys goes to Oklahoma City in a weird way loses in fantasy because he's probably headed toward a shutdown, just like Josh Giddy did. Yeah, and not just this year either. It's next year, too, because the Thunder's endgame, like I've said, I think I've said it 10 times in this podcast, the Thunder's endgame is Wimbanya in the next draft, who is the most hyped prospect, I think, since LeBron. Um, they're already hyping him more than they are Zion, too. So the Thunder's endgame is Wimbanya, who is a seven foot two behemoth center, too. So whoever the Thunder take, um, it's a little concerning because they're already looking forward to win Banya probably. But like I said, any of these guys though can play the four. Like I don't think it's a death sentence by any means. Any of these guys can play the four. We've even heard Chet might play some four too because put him against some of those bigger centers and you may have some issues there because he just doesn't have the frame for it too. So long-term Chet may be a four. Um, anyway, those are my thoughts. Whoever goes to the Thunder though, just know that this is Pokuzevsky's team. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, man. I have to agree with you there. I mean, I wrote this up before the Christian Wood trade, so I think it does obviously make more sense now. Um, You know, the way we're talking here with Chet to go number two, Powell to go number three. But yeah, I agree with you. I think he's more of a four just because the frame is an issue. He's he's seven foot 195. You know, if you're playing in the paint against guys like Embiid or Gobert, you're going to get gobbled up, right? So if he plays the four, awesome. I think there, or even if he plays some three, like Pokusevsky did a little bit, you know, I think the biggest question then is, does he have the athleticism to be able to switch and make guard some of those quicker players? And if he's playing the 
four or even a stretch to play the three, um, you know, is is pulling him outside of the paint going to be the best for his skill set, which is a big part of that is the shot blocking and rim protecting, right? So I, I think fit definitely matters for him, but I absolutely agree with you. He'll be a four, and I think landing an OKC is going to be probably a problem towards the end of the year. I just spent most of that minute or so picturing Chet Holmgren trying to guard Joel Embiid. <laughs> it's quite an image. It's quite a quite. I mean, talk about talk about a guy being excited to get the ball in the post. Embiid with rookie Chet Holmgren on him. I mean, no one could want the ball more. In you any already situation. know he's excited about that matchup, <laughs> right? All right. As you put it, Zach, as we move to number four, the Kings never fail to surprise us. So along those lines, you actually have Shaden Sharp, who didn't play a single minute at Kentucky, going to them at number four. Your thoughts on the potential here, and is this one going to hold? Are, are we giving away spoilers for the third mock draft here? Like, Are you comfortable? If you're not, that's okay. But is this one going to hold? Yeah, man, you heard it here first. We can go ahead and do some spoilers. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think my opinion has changed here on this Kings pick. I, I think there's definitely a potential for them to go wild card, but at this point, from you know what I've been reading and and just the general thought process behind it is, it makes sense for them to trade this pick. So they made the move last year to bring in Sabonis. Um, they're in. They're trying to be in win now mode. They have the longest playoff drought in you know in the NBA right now, so they're trying to win. I think trading this pick to either New York or uh, Washington makes a lot of sense. Both of those teams are eager to get a point guard. Uh, there's talk that Indiana might want to move up and get him just a couple of spots from six. Or not to get him specifically, but to get Jaden Ivey at that point. Mm -hmm. But I think the Kings trading this pick makes the most sense. I mean, because if they trade Washington, they can bring in some, you know, they can do a pick swap. They can get somebody like a Kyle Kuzma. They do it with New York. They can get somebody like Obi Toppin. They can bring in guys that are more ready to win now and move back a few draft spots rather than bringing in somebody like an Ivey or a Sharp. Uh, who might clog up that backcourt that has De'Aaron Fox and uh, Davion Mitchell, who balled out last year. Um, so they just spent a high pick on a guard last year. I, I'm not sure it makes sense for them to do it now when they could get so much value out of that pick. I mean, if I'm the Kings, I'm taking – I know who I'm taking. I'm taking Jaden Ivey. I don't care if you have De'Aaron Fox. Now, remember, they didn't take Luka because they wanted Fox to be the primary ball here, and they're like, obviously, that was a huge mistake. I don't think they can make that mistake again. I think if you're the Kings, yes, they're trying to win now, which – God bless them. I don't think you're going to win now anytime soon. You got to swing for upside here, right? You got to right. take Jaden Ivey, who has the most star potential, I think, at this point in the draft. And go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. He has a ton of star potential, but I don't think you're losing out on because his biggest draw is the athleticism, right? Russell Westbrook, John Morant type of athleticism. Uh, from obviously, Sharp didn't play in college, but if you watch some of his workouts, man, the dude can jump. The dude is ath absolutely athletic. So um, I think I think the offensive upside for him is a bit higher than Jaden Ivey just because I feel like Ivey's game is predicated on that athleticism where Sharp has the ability to maybe be a three-level scorer at some point. Interesting. Sharp is shaping up to be a real, real wild card in terms of real life yeah. and fantasy. You know what? It kind of reminds me of just a different player, but Darius Garland who barely played at Vanderbilt before going high mm -hmm. in the NBA draft. Yeah, um, like five games the or old, something. Mm -hmm. The old mystery man. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk about Jaden Ivey in a second and his potential in the NBA. But at number five, you have uh, a thing that seems like it legitimately has a 
real good shot of happening. That's six eight Iowa forward Keegan Murray going to the Pistons. And Zach, it's a potentially dynamic fantasy fit if you want to believe what you saw from Murray in college in terms of numbers. Yeah, so he averaged 24-9 last season. Um, He was one of the uh, four finalists for Naismith Player of the Year. I mean, absolutely dominated. He was a good defender. He can shoot the three, shot 40% from beyond the arc. And it just seems like it would be a kind of a seamless fit, right? So Detroit's trying. They tried to move Jeremy Grant last year. This is the Mm -hmm. final year of his deal. I'm sure they're going to be trying to move him actively, especially if they can bring in a guy that's the same, essentially the same size. You look at the measurements, they're, they're essentially the same size. But Murray has more of an upside just because he's an efficient shooter. Almost 16 attempts a game last season, shot 55% at Iowa. Whereas Jeremy Grant, yes, he became a, you know, an absolute scorer with Detroit, but it was on volume, right? He was never an efficient scorer, like I think 42, 43% in both seasons that he was with them. So I think Murray has a much higher upside than Jeremy Grant, right? So Grant's, you know, Grant was a big time scorer for Detroit, but it was predicated on high volume, right? So he was never an efficient scorer. Keegan Murray, you know, he shot better than 55% last season, 16 attempts per game at Iowa. I think he can really fit seamlessly in if they decide to move Jeremy Grant. It just seems like an awesome fit. Yeah, I'm just curious if the scoring translates and just watching him. It seems like he bullies a lot of players for a lot of his baskets. I just wonder if he can get away with mm-hmm. some of those in the NBA. Like a uh, little questionable too. I do like him though. He's a good player. And right now the Pistons just need players. They have two players, mm-hmm. Deke Bay, who you are confident that are going to be there for the long haul. Other than that, it's you know, it's a total mess too. So the Pistons just need talent. I'm not convinced it's Keegan Murray, but I do think he's a top three option for them at this point. You didn't mention Marvin Bagley as another long-term building block. For <laughs> Jonas, I know you're one of your favorite players. His dad's emailing me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Did we mention, I don't know if we mentioned Keegan Murray's peripheral stats beyond the points on the boards, but 1.3 steals, 1.9 blocks, 1.9 threes. Now, there's not always a seamless carryover, right, from college defensive stats to the NBA, but just a little something to keep in mind. That's, that's a big number. 1.3 steals, 1.9 blocks. Those are big numbers. It hints at a guy who's at least going to be an asset in both categories, if not. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, he may not be a shot blocking machine in the pros, but it sounds like a guy who could potentially get, you know, 0.81 per game at bare minimum. Yeah. And whoever goes to the Pistons is going to play a ton right away, too. So, yep. Yeah. All right. We've already talked about Jaden Ivey a little bit in your latest mock. Well, in the latest mock you published, he's going sixth to the Pacers. We've certainly seen talk that he could go to the Kings at four. You already mentioned a scenario where the Pacers trade up to get him at four. So, I mean, why not talk about Jaden Ivey if he was on the Pacers, uh, Zach? What what do you imagine here and how does this all play out and how does he fit with the veterans there? Yeah, so I think if they end up trading up to get him, it's going to be a scenario where Malcolm Brogdon gets moved. I think he's mm-hmm. on his way out anyway, as they've been talking about. And Jaden Ivey, you know, recently has said he prefers to go to Detroit or Indiana because his mother played for Detroit Shock and Indiana Fever while he was growing up. So he's familiar with those areas. He likes those areas. He likes those professional basketball teams. So he would like to play for either franchise. Uh, I think the fit alongside Tyrese Halliburton, it would take a little bit of work just because he would have to learn to play more off ball. But I definitely think that's something that he would be able to do. So, uh, you know, backcourt with Halliburton and Ivy, I think would be it would be absolutely thrilling. Yeah, I actually made a note, too, on your mind. I was going to say the most exciting combo that I was thinking of would be Jaden Ivy and Tyrese Halliburton, because you look at Halliburton, one of the most versatile players already at his mm-hmm. age, too. 
he can fit in with anybody too. So I wouldn't really worry about the fit. And if you're the Pacers, you need some excitement, right? You've had nothing except for the Lance Stevenson era for the past 10 years. Right. It's time, right? This rebuild would be so epic if you had Jaden Ivey and Halliburton together. And you also have some pieces already in place too in your front court, like Isaiah Jackson, who's a long-term mm-hmm. uh, excitement piece as well too. So yeah, if you're the Pacers and Jaden Ivey somehow falls to six, like you are over the moon. I noticed you didn't mention long-term asset Buddy Heald there, Jonas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who actually... Was was a pretty good fantasy guy down the stretch for the Pacers. I think Jaden Ivey go. I, if Jaden Ivey, if Brogdon left, Jaden Ivey arrived. I think I'd still be into Heald this upcoming season. Who was who was pretty nice, almost five assists per game with the Pacers. But we're not here to talk about Buddy Heald. We're talking about young guys. At number seven, a lot of talk that the Portland Trailblazers might trade this pick away. But in this mock draft 2.0, Zach, you have them selecting Dyson Daniels of the G League Ignite, a big kind of playmaking combo guard. What are your thoughts on this guy? And I want to hear yours too, Jonas. Yeah, so obviously Portland is going to try to uh, supposedly bring in another star player to play alongside Damian Lillard. Uh, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I'm not sure that they have the the trade assets to pull something like that off or if they even have the pool in the offseason to do that. So uh, to me, if this feels like uh, this feels like a rebuilding team, so they're going to take the next best available player, which would be Daniels. So he has... He's still really raw score, but really doesn't need to be doing that right now. The size and length, uh, I think he projects to be a very good defender at the next level. And obviously, as you mentioned, the playmaking, the rebounding, those are things at the guard position uh, that teams love to see. So I think he would be the next logical player for them to take if they're going best available here at number seven. Yeah, he gives me some pre-injury Sean Livingston vibes too, kind of like that very graceful six-foot-seven frame can pass over the defense, uh, five assists for 36 minutes. Obviously, that's going to improve. But, man, he made some passes. You even posted some of those highlights. I was shocked at some of those passes he was making. <laughs> right. He can play make, man. I saw a little bit of Josh getting him as well, too. Like, really mm-hmm. exciting player. Um, but like you said, I think this pick is going to get moved. Damian Lillard is not a patient player, obviously, and I don't really blame him after the last, how the last five years has gone. I do think this pick has moved. Some options include OG Ananobi, Jeremiah Grant would be another one as well. But yeah, teams are going to be interested to trade up for Dyson Daniels. He's going to be a really, really good long-term piece. All right, more to come on Zach's mock draft. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. 
Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen on the PGA Tour, NASCAR circuit, and elsewhere. We also have special contests on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. All right, we're going to fast forward with your blessing here, guys. Past number eight, which was Benedict Matherin to the Pelicans, A.J. Griffin to Duke. I wanted to jump to number 10, if that's okay with everyone, and that's Johnny Davis to the Wizards. Because I thought this is a pretty interesting fit. Now, Zach, uh, we can talk about Davis's numbers, or you can right now, but tell us about your thoughts on this one, and do you, do, you, do you still see this potentially holding in your next mock draft? Yeah, I could see this holding if Washington doesn't end up trading for you know Jaden Ivey, or if they don't make a move to get another point guard like a you know maybe like a Malcolm Brogdon or something like that. Um, I think they're going to want to bring somebody else in that can score. So uh, you know, Washington had Bradley Beal for part of last season and obviously Beal is the entire offense uh, they brought Chris Dapps Porzingis in but we're not sure how durable he's going to be moving forward Kyle Kuzma played a big role in offense you're not going to win you're not going to even be very competitive if Kyle Kuzma is one of your best scores I mean just point blank and I mean, the rest of their team has guys like KCP and Corey Kispert, who are spotty three-point shooters. Denny Avdija, who's kind of raw. I mean, so Roy Hachimura, who's looked is looking like a bust at this point. Um, so the team, if you're talking about a team that has no excitement and no scoring, it's Washington, man. <sighs> So they, they need to bring in somebody like a Johnny Davis, especially if Bradley Beal is not going to be here long term, which there's potentially he won't be. And Johnny Davis is one of the most gifted scorers in this entire draft. I mean, he he seemingly can just do everything on the court, you know, iso ball, three point shooting, uh, just scoring at every level. This guy's a walking bucket and he would be somebody that I think Washington would love to have. And he plays defense. Yeah, and it's such a lopsided roster, too, for Washington. I think they have, like, 19 bigs and one uh, shooting guard. So. Um, <laughs> right. It's time to bring in someone to help Bradley Beal because it sounds like, for whatever reason, Beal is just committed to Washington. It just seems like he could have left so many times, and yet he keeps signing extension after extension. Who knows? He may sign another one, too. But, yeah, the Wizards have to take a guard. Like, they're tired of watching Tomas Sadoransky, Ish Smith, Raul Neto. Like, bring in a, a legit point guard, for God's sakes. Um for that reason, I think they're going to look into trading for Jaden Ivey, which I don't think they have the ammunition to do. Another option would be to trade up for Dyson Daniels. But if not, mm-hmm. I think Johnny Davis kind of may be the the safe pick here, I would say. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on his like long-term upside as like a perennial starter or anything like that. But in terms of just help now, he's probably the safe pick. Yeah. So his numbers past season, around 20 points and eight rebounds, a couple assists, 1.2 steals, 0.7 blocks, 1.2 threes. Let's go to number 11, and we can talk about this guy maybe in connection with the Wizards as well because you have a a player I like in this latest mock draft, Zach, and that's Kentucky guard Ty Ty Washington. But I can't say I'd love the fit if he landed with the New York Knicks. And reading your mock draft, it seems like you agree. Yeah, I don't necessarily think the fit would be bad if he gets playing time. It's just right. this is, New York is kind of the black hole for any young and developing player. You know, obviously we saw Obi Toppin 
ball out when he got minutes last year, but he was stuck behind, you know, guys that were like 35 years old and Taj Gibson. I'm a West Virginia alum. And so I had to sit and watch Deuce McBride just kind of languish on the the bench all season. So if you're a young and developing player, you get no playing time uh, with coach Tibbs. So I think that would be his biggest issue would be the playing time. I think the fit would be fine. I, I just don't see a scenario in which he goes there and starts right away and plays meaningful minutes. Yeah, I think the Knicks just need to bring in Kimba Walker and just look somewhere else in the draft, uh, like a fort. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> see, my issue with Ty Ty Washington is I think he's – I don't see star potential there, and I think the Knicks need to take a fl- uh, flyer on some upside here. I think they're going to be thrilled if someone like A.J. Griffin is down there at mm-hmm. 11. I don't think he will be, but Ty Ty Washington just screams back up to me long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's possible, but you know we have to remember, and this is not—I can't claim this is my idea—but the notion that Calipari has a way of a lot of Kentucky yeah. guards have gone to the NBA and looked a lot better than they did at Kentucky. So that's I don't—I don't know if that's a reason to—I don't know if that's that logic holds. Like I don't yeah. know if that logic projects forward, but I don't know. I, I liked what I saw. I would have seen from Ty Ty Washington. Is this the year so. they play Emmanuel quickly? I guess we'll have to see, huh? Yeah, man. I, I know something about that uh, coach not willing to play uh, rookies or young players. Even though the Hawks are a young team, Nate McMillan steadfastly refused to give first-round pick Jalen Johnson a chance and extended look this year You know, at the expense of playing a lot of Timothy Luau Cabarro and guys straight out of, like, sh- they had just signed out of nowhere when they had all those, those COVID issues going on. Jalen Johnson cannot get on the court. So that wasn't yeah. frustrating at all. Quickly, it's going to be um, on Rico in 20 years. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to jump to number 13. And you had Duke big man Mark Williams going to Charlotte, which, Zach, I really appreciate you thinking of fantasy here with this pick in your mock draft because I think this would potentially be a great fit. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I love me some hyperbole, so I'm just going to – we'll just go ahead and call it. If Mark Williams goes to the Hornets, it's going to be Lob City East. You got <laughs> you got LaMelo Ball. You got talented guards around with, in Terry Rozier. I would absolutely love a seven two, 240-pound athletic big uh, just running and catching lobs from LaMelo Ball in the pick and roll. Uh, I think yeah. it would it would just be absolutely phenomenal. And Mark Williams is going to look like an absolute man among children, uh, you know, next to Plumlee and Montrez Harrell. So he's going to be an instant upgrade for a team that is really – that's their Achilles heel is that front court situation. The guard play is excellent. Uh, they brought in Kelly Oubre, who seemed to be a great fit for them last year. Uh, I think what they're really missing is a preeminent center. So if Jalen Duren ends up getting picked by the Spurs or gets picked earlier than Williams, uh, I think Williams is the next best center available, and, and that's who the Hornets are going to go with. There's one more angle to this, too. I think one pr- player that no one's really talking about is Kai Jones in Charlotte. Spent the whole mm-hmm. year in the G League because this is what the Hornets' plan for him was. He dominated, man, and he's a good player. Like yeah. He's a six foot ten athletic freak, too. So mm-hmm. There were some plays in the summer league where he was taking guys off the dribble in the perimeter and just slamming it from the free throw line, too. So Kai Jones, if we're talking about an athletic big that could thrive under LaMelo, I don't think we should sleep on Kai Jones next year, especially for as, as bad as Mason Plumlee did too. So if they don't end up taking a big in the draft, I'm looking at Kai Jones as maybe a very deep sleeper. Good point. Mason Plumlee, ever since he started shooting free throws left-handed, was a different player. I just want to say that. that <laughs> his career is going to have a whole different second arc now. now what was Doc's nickname for him? Squeaky Dimes or something? 
That was sneaky or squeaky. No, forget that was Did Ryan say that? Was it? Maybe. I don't know. They were probably on the podcast together and it came out. I, I don't know. It was, Someone it was said so. squeaky dimes. Was that Plumley <laughs> that we were calling squeaky dimes? Yeah. About the text. Well, I forgot about that. Thank you for bringing that back. Yeah. Good old squeaky dimes. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw his left-handed free throw shooting, but it was something very, very special. Late it was. In the season. Mark Williams, by the way, 2.8 blocks per game last season and does appear to be a guy who's going to be among the league leaders in blocks as soon as he gets enough playing time. He's massive too, isn't he? Like seven one, seven two. He's seven two and uh, nine foot nine standing reach. Jeez. Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> All right. Well, kids. you've got in this latest mock draft, you've got the Hawks taking Malachi Branham of Ohio State at number sixteen. I, obviously, I have to quickly talk about the Hawks, but I'm not going to talk about it for long because, as intriguing as he seems, or anyone the Hawks might draft. There's no chance Nate McMillan is going to play this player their rookie year, so I'm I'm just not even going <laughs> to. You, you you want to talk about Malachi Branham? Do you like this player? I like this player a lot, man. I know I've used the term three-level scorer before, but I think it's probably best suited for Branham. If you look at his shooting splits last year uh, when he was playing with Ohio State, let me see here. I, I thought I had the numbers in front of me. Shot almost 50% from the field, better than 40% from beyond the arc. Averaged just under 14 points a game, but this dude can be an absolutely efficient scorer at the next level. And I think he can bring some consistency uh, alongside Trey Young uh, for a position that Atlanta has been pretty deep at, uh, but it never seems like there's anybody on a consistent night that's going to go out and get you a bucket. I mean, it's sometimes it's Bogdanovich, sometimes it's Mm -hmm. Herter. uh, It just depends on who's available and who's feeling it. But I think uh, Brandon can bring you some sort of consistency to that Hawks team. Yeah, I think they may even end up packaging this pick with Capella, too, because we've already heard the reports that they want to give Anyeka Okongwu more playing time next Mm -hmm. year, too. So let's attach this pick to Capella. Let's move up, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> just please, I, I, I can't read another Hawks, you know, give up three guys to get Rudy Gobert rumor. Mm-hmm. If I read one more of those, I'm just going to vomit on myself. Yeah. Like, no, no, you're not trading Capella and other guys to get Gobert. Gobert is not that much better than Capella, and he's older, mm-hmm. and he's more expensive. Mm-hmm. So we got to stop with that. Okay. Yeah. Agree. Please. Okay. Any other thoughts, Jonas? Like, did you have any anything else yeah. you wanted to talk about or ask about? In, I have in one. Draft? Yeah. I want to see where Nikola Jovic ends up, right? Six Got foot to. 10, mm-hmm. really good size, a really good name, right? That's, that's <laughs> a name to live up to. <laughs> Apparently, he's been shooting up draft boards. Like, I remember seeing this guy in the second round constantly, and now I'm seeing him upwards of, like, 20, 21, 22. Uh, I even saw one mock had him near 15, too. So this is a guy... His YouTube workout video has more than any other prospect in this draft. So this is already like an international sensation. People are really intrigued by this guy. So honestly, he reminds me of the movie Hustle. Uh, Watch O'Hearn and Gomez's character in that, how he generates hype leading up the draft. It feels a lot like that too. So I don't know. He's really intriguing. And I watched him and he looked like a really good player. Yeah, totally agree with that, man. I would love to see where he ends up, and that that's kind of where I have him too, is in that sweet spot right around the, the 20, 
twenty range, uh, you know, the Spurs Nuggets type of range. I think him going to the Spurs would be an awesome fit oh. as kind of that point forward. He's obviously not in year one. Uh, he's not going to have a big impact in year one, but I think he could really thrive there uh, for a team that's really done a great job of developing international prospects. I can't take. I also can't stomach the Spurs like landing another. Yeah. like awesome prospect <laughs> like what is it 20 is that what is that what it is mm-hmm. that would that would be right on brand whoever the spurs take i'm just like oh well that guy's gonna be awesome <laughs> right that's kind of what any anytime the spur remember when they took Dejounte murray it was like okay yeah. well i guess that guy's gonna be really good <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> worked out all right jonas is that it for you zach any other final okay. thoughts guys before we get out of here that's it. Congrats to the Warriors. I'm excited for draft season. We can actually officially begin draft season prep now, too. I'm really, really excited for that draft guide season. For sure. For sure. Quick programming note, we will be back Wednesday and Friday next week. So we'll be here talking before the draft and after the draft. We'll have our reactions and a little more preview beforehand. want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, wherever you listen, take a minute to rate and review us as well. You can check out Zach's full mock draft right now on NBC Sports Edge. And as we said, version three is coming out on Monday, right, Zach? Yes, sir. All right, Jonas, Zach, thanks to both of you. Enjoy your weekends, guys. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Take care. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house. Picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.